Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every $20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at Armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. If you're thinking, I should go for a run today, but it looks like it could rain, Sierra says, save on epic rain jackets. If you're also thinking, but I can't go out in these beat-up old running shoes, Sierra says, save on top brand running shoes. And if you're still thinking, but I'm also busy performing brain surgery, well, then we say, you really should have led with that. Sierra, let's get moving to your local store, like now. Go! Hello and welcome to the Bike Radar podcast, brought to you from the team behind Cycling Plus, MBUK and BikeRadar.com. Welcome to the Bike Radar podcast. I'm Matthew Loveridge and today I'm joined by Jack Luke and we're going to talk about gearing for gravel bikes. Now, I've been testing quite a few gravel bikes recently. Notable examples include Canyon's excellent Grail 6 and the Specialized Diverge, which was my test bed for the Campagnolo Eckar group set. While I've been riding these bikes, I've been thinking very hard about what gearing actually works for gravel bikes. And I think it's fair to say that the options on the market aren't necessarily immediately obvious, and there is currently a real tension between the sort of instinctive draw towards one-by drivetrains for gravel and the fact that actually the one-by offerings on the market aren't necessarily ideal. So we're going to talk about that. Jack, first of all, give us a flavour of why one-by is sort of the go-to choice for a lot of people on gravel bikes. Much the same as it is with mountain bikes, reduced complexity. That's really all it boils down to. Um, with a one-by setup, provided you have uh, an amply wide cassette and a low enough uh, chainring at the front, it's easy to get you know, the same kind of uh, low gearing for, no, sorry, Matthew, actually, is it high gearing for climbing off-road? You should uh, perhaps qualify exactly which way around it is, given that even us professional bike journalists get it wrong 90% of the time. So, yeah, this is a source of endless confusion. When we say low gearing, we're talking about easy gears. So that means small chain rings at the front and big cogs at the back on your cassette. This is the, the confusion is 
um, exacerbated by when people start talking about upshifts and downshifts because in reality, an upshift is a move into harder gear, but an upshift on a bicycle involves physically moving the chain down the cassette. And a lot of people say upshift when they actually mean downshift. Anyway, sorry, we digress. <laughs> no, I think it's important to clarify. I, I was uh, going through a piece last week and uh, you know one of our writers got it wrong and I regularly do myself. So now you're all the wiser. Anyway, given you have a wide enough cassette and you know you can swap that chain rings to suit your needs, you can get gearing which will do 99% of what you're going to require of, of any gravel bike. And the reduced complexity of getting rid of the front derailleur, yes, it reduces a bit of weight, which is inconsequential in my eyes, but for muddy, sloppy, grimy conditions, it really, really does just work that little bit easier compared to a two-by setup. Things have definitely got better. I think front derailleurs have really notably improved in terms of performance. I would say with the last, you know, kind of, generation of Shimano's road and uh, gravel group sets so all the GRX stuff and the latest um, style of derailleurs from 105 upward but there's no denying that for the, the, the grimiest conditions one by makes a great deal of sense. Do you think that it's exactly the same as the mountain bike side because mountain bikes have a very specific usage case where for example, you have very quick changes in terrain. If you're particularly if you're riding in like a trail center, for example, you'll be going up and down in very short sections sometimes. And in that scenario, switching between two chain rings or even three, which because mountain bikes used to all come with triples, isn't that convenient. That's not really true with gravel bikes, is it? A lot of the time. Yes, I think people perhaps overstate how drastic the changes are in terrain and where it makes sense for one by mountain bikes i would caveat this by saying one of the reasons one buys become so popular in mountain bikes is to do with suspension design where if you're optimizing for a very small range of chain rings which of course you won't have with a multiple chain ring setup um it's easier to to optimize around pedal kickback where larger or small chain rings will give you different levels of pedal kickback that obviously isn't a concern with the vast majority of gravel bikes if you're looking at the kind of terrain people ride on, you know, obviously it depends on where you ride and the type of mountain bike or type of gravel riding you do. And gravel is such a broad spectrum that it could mean one thing to one person and something completely different to another. But really, from my point of view, the type of riding I enjoy most, and given that, you know, gravel bikes serve a uh, wide number of my needs so from road riding to nonsense trail bashing i think two by makes the most sense for, for the type of riding i do i guess we should talk a bit about why how do you choose gearing on a bicycle because essentially the goal when you're choosing your gearing is you want low enough gears so you can get up the climbs you need to get up you can carry whatever loads you might be carrying because some people riding gravel bikes are using them for bike packing touring whatever you want to call it and carrying significant amounts of stuff and so you're going to need lower gears to lift that stuff up a hill but then you also want your high end so that you're not totally unable to pedal down a hill but then that that may not matter so much depending on where you're riding because Certainly in my experience with gravel bikes, very rarely feel that I'm lacking a top gear, whereas I have very much felt I'm lacking a bottom gear. And then, of course, the third thing is the 
distribution and spacing of those gears. So whether they are clustered at the low end, clustered at the high end, or evenly distributed, and every manufacturer has a slightly different take on what is the optimal way to do that. Um, I thought we should talk through some of the options currently on the market, because actually the one-by options on the market I don't think are nearly as good as they could be. So starting out with SRAM, uh, if you're in the realm of ETAP Axis, which is their expensive wireless stuff, you can very easily mix road and mountain bike components. That's what's called a mullet setup. And that means you can get stupidly low <laughs> gears, like low enough low enough for anyone. If, you, if, uh, if that setup isn't enough for you, well, you're probably moving so slowly that you'd be better off walking anyway. I, uh, so I'm just... Um, I, I want to dive in because it's quite funny. I, I'll talk about this a little bit later on, but I was riding my tandem yesterday with my partner, which has co- honestly the most comically low gears. I think it's a 24 tooth inner chain ring on the triple with something like a 36 on the back. Um, I need to double check, but I think that's comparable to about as low as you could possibly go with a mullet setup in terms of overall uh, gear inches. And, um, we would have been quicker just walking. Like, it's very useful for getting off from a standing start with a massive, heavily loaded tandem, but um, I don't think there's very many people running a mullet setup <laughs> on their tandem with a SRAM AXS group set. Anyway, carry on. No, um, your, your tandem's a little more budget than that, isn't it? No, oh, yes, quite. <laughs> Instantly, uh, Jack's tandem will be putting in an appearance in a forthcoming bike radar video, so look out for mm-hmm. that. Um, yeah, sorry, uh, Back to SRAM gearing. So leaving aside Axis, which is relatively expensive, on the mechanical side, you've got Force One uh, as the one-by option. Um, you can run one-by in their cheaper group sets, but their kind of best one-by mechanical option is Force One, and that gets you a 10 to 42 cassette and a lowest possible chain ring of 38 tooth. Then talking about the official options, if you go aftermarket, it gets much more complicated. But essentially, we're talking about an absolute low gear of a 38 at the front and a 42 at the back, which is quite low, but it's not like super low. I find when you're making these comparisons, it's quite intuitive to talk about gear inches, which is a way of expressing the size of a gear. I recommend, if you don't know about this, look at a very classic website called Sheldon Brown, which has excellent reference material on this and also a calculator that lets you calculate the gear inches of any setup under the sun. But what that setup gives you is a lowest possible gear of 24.7 inches. To put things in context, an old school kind of racy road bike would have a bottom gear of somewhere in the region of 40 inches and a top gear of somewhere in the region of, let's say, 120, thereabouts. There is considerable variation there as well, but that's the kind of ballpark we're talking. I think, you know, it's when we're talking about gear inches, it can be quite you know, I'm not a numbers-oriented person. I'm far too creative for that. But, you know, on my fixed gear, of which I have a gravel bike fixed gear because I'm just such a purist, um, I I kind of got my head around gear inches a couple of years ago. And as a way of expressing how you will find any group set, set up or any, sorry, I should say any gearing setup will perform, it is actually genuinely useful to, to get your head around it. It means a lot more than saying... Oh, it's got a 38, 42 low gear. So I highly recommend as well, as Matthew says, you look at the Sheldon Brown or Gear Calc is another good one. 
Um, it's a slightly more intuitive interface than the Sheldon Brown one, but nonetheless, his write-up on it is, is very good. And I do actually think we also have a guide on bicycle gearing on bikeradar.com. Yes, please do read our website, not just other people's websites. That's probably quite a good point to mention, isn't it? When we're talking about mechanical group sets, I think it's relevant to bring in Campagnolo Eckhart, which is significant because not only is it 13 speed, it's also got a spread of gears that's pretty much unique in the market. Eckhart offers cassettes that have a 9 or a 10 tooth small cog, which is unusually small, but then they go really big with the range, and so they top out at a 42 or a 44 tooth large cog. So that means you can get a super, super low gear, as low as a 38.44, which, back to those gear inch numbers, is 23.6 inches, which is very, very low. Now, saying that, that isn't as low as a mullet setup, and Eckhart is limited because you can't really mix it in with any other components. And then if we turn to Shimano, Shimano's one-by option gives you a low gear that's really not that low. So the lowest option you have is a 40-tooth chainring, 42-tooth on the cassette, and that's a 26-inch gear, which is low enough for kind of general riding, and if you're a sort of sporting gravel cyclist, you might very well be happy with that. But it isn't down there in the realm of bikepacking, touring, carrying anything, <clears throat> or just riding in a chill way up quite steep hills. And I think... I realise this is a lot of numbers for a podcast, but this does drive home the point that if you look at kind of the main mass market options for one buy, they're actually a little bit lacking. And until you're prepared to get more creative, it's maybe worth actually looking at two buy options. <laughs> I was going to say, it's important to acknowledge that, you know, we're discussing this as if you're kind of specking bikes from the very offset. And, you know, I acknowledge that the majority of readers and listeners will be buying complete bikes and yeah i would kind of say at this stage that i would be buying a two by bike right now um and paying close attention to things like the specs of the, the rear derailleur now the majority matthew will correct me if i'm wrong but the majority of shimano's grx stuff can in theory albeit maybe not officially, be converted from two-by to a one-by setup. So if you absolutely, for whatever reason, you decide, no, I simply cannot have two chain rings, I must have one-by, you will be able to convert to one-by if you so wish. SRAM is a little bit different where they're kind of force one group sets. They are one-by native, so there's no shifter gubbins in the left-hand uh, shifter. Yes, you could swap some stuff in down the line, but it wouldn't be, strictly speaking, um, kind of official. But on Shimano, which... The majority of complete gravel bikes I would have thought are sold with, um, you know, there's a bit more flexibility there. What, what do you say to that, Matthew? Well, there is and there isn't. If you're sticking strictly with kind of Shimano's recipe, then, for example, in the 11-speed GRX components, there are two different rear derailleurs. There's one that's intended for one by and one that's intended for two by. And yes, you could run the two by one, one by, but then you may find that you don't have sufficient chain capacity. So it's it's less flexible than you'd hope, mm. I'd say. Um, and then at the 10 speed level, actually, there is no official one by option with GRX at the moment. So it's curious because Shimano's GRX range is actually 
it's quite broad. It covers quite a few different levels in the group set hierarchy from effectively Tiagra level up to Altegra. But actually, it's not maybe as flexible as you might assume from that. There is some cross-compatibility with road components. Uh, so you, if you are specking a bike or, or upgrading a bike, there's some scope to do that. But again, there are limitations on that. And unfortunately, there's no sharing between the mountain bike and roadsides, which would make things much easier. I think what will be really interesting is what happens next with Shimano's group sets, because we are expecting Shimano's top end on the road to go 12 speed as the mountain bike stuff has. Mountain bike group sets from Shimano are now 12 speed all the way down to Dior level, which is really significant. Dior is effectively like Tiagra equivalent. So that's huge. Uh, but it remains to be seen whether, for example, you'd be able to run GRX shifters with um, if, if a future 12-speed GRX shifter with a 12-speed mountain bike derailleur. And based on past experience, it's probably not going to happen, I would say. Mm. Well, I have to say, I'm quite surprised by that. I mean, I haven't taken so much of a deep dive into the, the GRX stuff. Um, Shimano, like, they have a really good comprehensive um, guide on si.shimano, which is their kind of service info website. And it has these absolutely wonderful cross-compatibility charts, which I know Matthew's particularly fond of. Um, and yeah, I'm quite surprised by that, to be honest, but there you go. What do I know? Actually, I'd, I'd turn the question on you, Matthew, and say, what do you like for riding gravel? For your needs, what would be your optimal gravel gearing setup? And for comparison, what do you run on the road? So like you at the moment, if I were buying a gravel bike, I'd probably looking, I'd probably be looking at two by, um, it it does depend what kind of budget level we're talking because if if you had unlimited funds and you could buy say a bike with force etap access and then do a mullet setup that'd be super cool but that you know we're talking super bike money to spec a setup like that but at my kind of budget the best gravel gearing for me would probably be something like a mid-range GRX setup um like the cheaper 11 speed kind of thing and I'd go two by with their smaller crank option. And officially that setup takes a an 11 to 34 cassette. So you've got a low gear of a 32 chain ring at the front and a 34 tooth cog at the back, which is 24 point something gear inches, I think. Um, 24.1, there you go. Um, and, and I think Shimano being a bit conservative, you could probably use a 36, an 11 to 36 cassette instead. And that would give you gears, certainly for my riding, that would be totally, totally adequate because I don't really, I don't do bike packing or touring. I just like quite low gears that I ride on my local trails, fire roads and stuff. I am a spindly little man. Uh, I'm not a I'm not a churner or a masher, and I like to have low gears where, when I want to, I can stay seated and just tick over the pedals. Um, so yeah, at the moment, I'm happy with two. But I also think, like I said, I don't tend to find that I run out of gears on the top end, particularly on gravel bikes. But for me, gravel riding does tend to involve mixing road and off road. And it is frustrating if you're on the road and you are really undergeared sometimes. And so a double setup is just an easier way to achieve that broad spread of gears because you're not sacrificing that high end. 
Yeah, I would say, you know, I just finished testing the Focus Atlas, um, which I really, really liked. I gave it four and a half stars, and that had a mix of GRX, RX, 600, and RX 810 components. Um, and that had an 1134 cassette paired with a 4630 crank set. And for me, that is more than sufficient for all the road riding I did. I, I remember I did one particularly fast descent where I was pedaling downhill. Uh, and I think if I went much harder, yes, I probably could have run out of gears. But realistically, do I need to be going that fast on a gravel bike? Probably not. It's not a race bike. And then on the other hand, for climbing, you know, I'd just come off of riding my uh, All City, which is like my winter road bike. And that's got a low gear with a, of a 34 inner chain ring with a 28 tooth cassette at the back, which is fairly old school these days, which is quite funny given that it used to be considered progressive like three years ago. Um, and just the lower gearing overall in terms of attitude really just made me much more relaxed riding my bike. Um, and much like you, it's kind of, you know, I do like mashing up hills very fast. But I also like the option to just sit down and, and spin away. And I think perhaps being honest with your intentions with a gravel bike is in, definitely a, a better place to start than worrying so much about, you know, overall range of what you could do. It's more, what are you actually going to do day to day? Yeah, I think that's really important. It is, like you say, it's really funny how these things have evolved. Um, when I got into road cycling in the, the late noughties, let's say, uh, most road bikes still came with the what was called a standard double, so that was a fifty-three thirty-nine crank, and a cassette that typically topped out at twenty-five tooth, or if you were racing, twenty-three tooth, and that that would just be considered outlandishly high gearing. Now, not for like a pro cyclist, but for normies like us, that that's that's pretty intense gearing. And then you, compacts were already a thing, but crusty old men on club rides would kind of mock your compact. It just seems completely absurd. I think it's so critical to match match it to your actual riding and, and what works for you. Don't don't take gearing advice from other people necessarily. If you if you have a bike, think about what gearing that bike has to inform the choice for your next bike. And and if you're riding a road bike at the moment and going to a gravel bike you need to consider that you're probably going to want much lower gears because gravel riding is different. And as, as a small note on that, gravel bikes have bigger tires than road bikes and a bigger tire is effectively like having a harder gear. So you can't discount that. It's it's not a huge difference, but it is a factor when you're making gearing comparisons. I think, yeah. And also, you know, it's much, if you are a particularly delicate flower and you just simply cannot abide by the the cavernous steps between uh, the cogs on your 11 to 40 cassette you can always go smaller you know it, it's much easier to go with a smaller cassette than it is to go in the other direction derailers will be much more forgiving of that so if it just does your head in then remember you can always go that way too yeah i don't think i've ever ridden a bike and thought you know what this bike has too wide a range of gears or too many gears yeah yeah you tend to adapt to the bike you're riding to an extent but yeah I, on my road bike i've got a kind of uh, i would you know i don't like smashing about particularly fast on it and i went for the 11 to 28 sex i like those nice fairly close spaced gears but i also have a nice small i think if i remember correctly it's a 44 34 
crank set on the front, so I've still got low enough climbing gear. Um, yeah, yeah, I just, I totally agree. I've never ridden a bike and thought, oh, I wish I had harder gears. <laughs> That's probably a good place to leave it. Before we finish up, um, we should say, we've been talking about kind of official gearing options. There is an entire like subculture of gravel riding dedicated to getting the gearing you want. And there is considerable scope if you're prepared to look to aftermarket parts to get gears that manufacturers don't necessarily provide. Um, So that might mean, for example, fitting a derailleur hanger extender to increase the clearance, which means you can then run a cassette that's got a bigger small a a bigger low gear so the bigger biggest cog that makes sense um and there are various like shifting accessories you can get for mixing road derailleurs with mountain bike derailleurs and things like that so if you're prepared to do your research and be a bit experimental there are lots of things you can do that are outside the norm but i think i i just wish that component manufacturers would give us those options so that we don't have to come up with them on our own and in the case of shimano in particular for example i think they should provide better one by gearing options than they do at the moment neither of us have any idea officially but they will i guarantee they will i mean grx was somewhat late to the party and shimano is very much a brand which is driven by the the whims and fancies of the oem manufacturers they you know they kind of decide the direction of the market far more than us crusty mediaites do but shimano will i guarantee have a better one by option further down the line because people want it and they want to sell more bike stuff so it'll come but when that'll be and we'll leave it there thanks very much jack thanks for listening and please if you don't already subscribe to the bike radar podcast comment on the uh, podcast article on the website thanks very much for listening bye, bye. Thank you for listening to the Bike Radar podcast. If you want any more information on what we've been talking about or more news and views on cycling, check out bikeradar.com.